you never know what jobs you're going to take that will have a huge impact on your life later. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Arty Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm so excited to have Becky Twombly today on the podcast. Becky will remind you that no matter how big or small your job is, starting out early in your career, it will have a huge impact on your life later on. Becky Twombly is a veteran sports dietitian with over 10 years of sports nutrition experience, creating sports nutrition programs at UCLA and USC, and has consulted in the NHL and WNBA. Becky is a founding member of the CPSDA, previously serving on the board from 2010 to 2014. She is currently the team sports dietitian for the Los Angeles Angels and works with the Los Angeles Lakers. Becky was hired by the Los Angeles Angels with the goal to create a nutrition presence, which was accomplished by establishing a fresh food supply, educating the athletes with regards to purposeful fueling, creating in-services for equipment staff and clubbies, and creating signage to direct athletes to their best options when the sports RD was not present to coach them throughout their fueling. While at USC, Becky was one of four sports RDs and was primarily responsible for men's and women's basketball, men's and women's volleyball, beach volleyball, and baseball. Prior to USC, Becky was the first director of sports nutrition at UCLA. The program quickly evolved to be a comprehensive performance nutrition program to include individualized assessments and meal plans for all athletes and training table for football, men's basketball, and women's basketball, as well as team education and medical nutrition therapy. Becky has served as a nutrition ambassador for the American Pistachio Growers since 2011, acting as a media spokesperson and creating educational materials to support the APG sponsorship of USA Water Polo. Becky has also served as a consultant sports RD for Cirque du Soleil and the Los Angeles Ballet Company. Becky graduated from Pepperdine University, where she was a four-year letter winner in women's volleyball and remained to coach while completing her dietetic internship through Cal Poly Pomona. Becky has three children, Piper, Toby, and Tucker. Let's jump in and let's meet Becky. Hi, Becky. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. I'm happy to have you. How's LA quarantine life been treating you? Um, gosh, it's definitely different than any other time of my life. Um, but some of that is because of work and some of that is because of just taking a step back and breathing a little bit more. So um, I have no complaints. I stay home a lot. I do a lot of home improvement projects and you know, just try to try to get myself better every day. I love that. Staying busy for mm-hmm. sure. That's great. Um, so I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So Becky, I probably met you at like an APW. I don't I, I think so. I think it was APW when I first met you. Um, but it wasn't like I didn't feel really bonded to you until I learned the Pepperdine connection. 
Yes. Oh my God. That's so funny. Well, I just realized it's like when I was with Beth at UCLA, I actually never met you when I lived in, I mean, I only lived there for like 10 months, but I don't think I ever met you, but yep. The Pepperdine connection. How do we make everyone jealous right now? What are we talking about? <laughs> well, let's see for, for the four years of my, of my college career, I was telling my daughter this actually just last week. I was like, I got spoiled because my dorm room when I was 17 years old had 180 degree ocean view. So, you know, I got to campus and moved in and had this beautiful view and it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> no, I remember going to the library. We'd never went to the library, but for some reason we like went to the library one day and I was like, is that real? Like, it, I thought it was a painting, but it was the ocean. And yes. I went to Syracuse and that was not our view from the library. It was like a snowbank. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my freshman year, I remember I had my first day of class. I played volleyball there and the gym is at the bottom of the campus and then yep. my first class is at the top of campus. So at some point I knew how many steps that was, but it's all stairs to get up there and it's somewhere around 500 stairs. So you get up there and you're like breathing heavy, you know, right? And I turned around and I looked at the view that was around me and I had full panoramic ocean view with mountains and just it was so gorgeous and this it was early it was an 8am class and the sun was just perfect and I thought if I don't come up here as a senior and enjoy this view I should be removed from California <laughs> I should not be allowed to be here oh it's amazing it's funny because we had class every Monday and I feel like most people like not like hate Mondays but it's like the beginning of the week and like I got the opportunity to drive on the PCH every Monday and my lunch view was the ocean. Like what? Yeah. So when people would graduate, that was the sadness. Like what am I going to do without this? Like I've lived at this country club for the last four years. How do I, how do I move on from here? You know? So it was, um, it was hard. I stayed to coach afterwards because I was so, oh, maybe I, I, I didn't want to leave. I, I loved it. There. Shout out to Pepperdine. Yes, go waves. Go waves. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point, where you started and where you are today? Yes. Well, um, you know, when you when you ask this question, my sarcastic self always wants to start as a baby, but I won't. Um, <laughs> so, um, I started at Pepperdine. Um, I was fortunate enough to play volleyball there for four years. Um, and I had the most incredible experience as a student athlete. Like I just loved every second. I loved practice. I loved the training. I loved my teammates. My coach was incredible, which um, really drove me to want to stay in athletics, you know? So, um, so my, you know, I went to school as a freshman thinking I'd be an orthopedic surgeon. And about three weeks into my first semester, I was like, maybe a PE teacher. <laughs> so I, I saw right away that um, being an orthopedic surgeon was a long road that I probably couldn't um, outlast. So I spent my four years at Pepperdine um, trying to avoid chemistry because I was scared to death of it. And so I became a kinesiology major. Um, minored in athletic training and coaching. And then I started coaching right after school. So I spent about two years after school um, coaching and I got married right after school, which was a, an interesting choice, but a great life lesson. Um, I, so my, my ex-husband, it was a baseball player. So I traveled the minor league life for about six years. So, um, so we would be in California during the off season and then 
be somewhere on the East Coast during the regular season. And so I decided two years into that, that I wanted to be a dietitian. Um, I was coaching volleyball and decided that's not what I wanted to do with my whole life. So I went back to school at Pepperdine to get to do some of my prerequisites for my DI. So I stayed there. I was at Pepperdine for around eight years, um, coaching afterwards, and then also working in the administration. So really important point here for those, like I say it to interns all the time, you never know what jobs you're going to take that will have a huge impact on your life later, right? And we'll circle back to this later, but it's really important to know I was traveling the minor league lifestyle, working in an athletic department in the, in the administration and coaching. Right. So while I was trying to become a dietitian, none of those things were what were in my career path. So I thought so then. Um, so I finished up the work at Pepperdine and I got my internship. I matched at Cal Poly Pomona and um, was horrified that I didn't get matched at the UCLA VA because it paid and I really needed money at that time. Um, so I did my internship at um, Harbor UCLA was the hospital that I was assigned to um, and lucky enough was able to continue coaching club volleyball during that time. So I would do my internship during the day and then go coach club volleyball um, later to make ends meet. So that was an unbelievable stroke of luck <laughs> that, that that worked out. And then when I was at Harbor UCLA, um, I was... Um, I was also pregnant during my internship, which I guess I should um, talk about the kids too. This all kind of goes together. So um, when I decided that I wanted to be a dietitian, I also decided I wanted to be a mom. So I had my first daughter while I was still coaching at Pepperdine. And then my second daughter, um, as soon as my internship was over. So um, the, the hospital that I worked at, Harbor UCLA, is a trauma center in LA. And so you get to see everything. So this was back when the days of the first SARS, right? So um, SARS happened in Asia and the United States started freaking out about it. The one case that the United States got was at my hospital during my internship. Um, so I got to really learn a lot about um, what could happen in a, if a pandemic were to happen. So I actually feel like I was pretty well educated going into this. Um, we had all kinds of, you know, car accidents and um, crazy genetic cases. Our ICU was really interesting. I worked in pediatrics for the most part. So after my internship, they hired me to um, job share with the pediatric dietitian who wanted to take a step back. So since we both had young kids, we split the week. And then I worked, so I worked there for about four years doing that until um, UCLA kind of called out of the blue <laughs> one day and said, um, we heard that you have a background in athletics and you're a dietitian and we really need somebody to come in, come in and help some of our athletes. So this was in 2007 when sports nutrition didn't really exist. Um, and I was, I really, the funny thing is I had to decide, right? I was like, do I want to go this route? I'm really happy working in pediatrics, but um, something just pulled me there. So I went for the interview. I walked into the Acosta Athletic Training Center and it was like, I instantly felt at home. Like I just really found my people there. And so it was, you know, I stayed there for about five years, um, really loved it and grew that program as much as I possibly could until again, kind of 
randomly. Um, Lane Kiffin called me um, when I was at work at UCLA, called me and said, um, hey, my friend Allison from Tennessee said that you're really good at your job. Um, so I would love to bring you over here. I don't know if you heard, but we have these sanctions where we don't have a lot of scholarships and we need a dietitian to come help us with recovery to make sure that our 60 athletes can play football <laughs> every week. So, um, so I left and I went to, to USC and that was in, I think 2012, the years all kind of run together now. Um, but I stayed there until last December when um, the Angels hired me to go full-time with them and the Lakers called and wanted to have um, some consulting for their team that year. And so I, I decided the timing was right to jump ship and I went um, all pro. So I have right now I'm working full-time for the Angels and consult with the Lakers. And then I'm starting a private practice and a side business um, that helps with athletes to recover after surgery. So wow, it's been a lot of change. That's amazing. I love how you just said, you don't realize how those experiences like coaching volleyball and working in admin, right. you know, at the time you didn't realize how valuable those would right. come in handy when, you know, UCLA popped up and it's amazing. Right. When I took that job at UCLA, I had gotten a ref the, the reason they got my name was actually from the SWA that was at Pepperdine that I had done some administrative work for when I was in trying to get into grad school. And she was like, oh, I know a girl that would be good at that. Like, that's really how they got my name. And so that was really, I mean, amazing to have that type of a reference and to be able for word of mouth to spread like that. But at the same time, it goes to show that when you have a job and you just do your job and you work hard, no matter what that job is, opportunity, the next opportunity comes. And that um, it's, that's been such a huge life lesson for me. And I still feel that way. I think that whenever you're given a task to do, whether it's you know, from your community or your church or your, you know, your family or your job and something that is really driven. If you do it to the best of your ability and you really accomplish it, you get another opportunity that's going to be bigger and better. And uh, it, it's been really a fun journey this whole time. That's amazing. As a founding board member of CPSDA, can you tell us about how CPSDA formed and reflect a bit on where it is today? Um, well, I do have to say that I was not in the original, I don't know, Boston Six or whatever they said. I had just gotten the job in 2007 at UCLA and my hair was on fire, so I didn't go to Boston. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to find a folding table to put some supplements on. And, you know, so, Thank you for uh, clarifying that because I, I wouldn't know that. Yes. Yeah, but I was, um, so once, once we decided to officially form, it was in 2009, I believe, in Pensacola, and then we officially formed, you know, I think over that next year, um, but the, Randy Bird would have, like, the, the most accurate timeline, he's very good at that, um, but we, um, you know, we had a, we were all kind of in a room, and everybody basically said, if you get nominated, then you need to you know, then we're going to vote for you. <laughs> so um, they tried to spread out the, um, they tried to spread out the board members across the country so that we had somebody from each of the different conferences in that first running. And um, for the PAC-12, it was literally James Harris and I, and James wasn't there, I don't think. So <laughs> I, think, I think that's how I ended up in that. Um, but 
we, uh, you know, it was really, that was a huge growth year for me to be on the board and to get to be a part of something where the whole purpose of it was this passion that was driven by all of us to make sports nutrition a sustainable job into a sustainable career and where you could work as a sports dietitian and make enough to make a living and you could have a department and to really get a seat at the table in the performance team. And so, I mean, our success is undeniable for, from that one goal, you know, like the, the amount of jobs that exist now is it. Sometimes when I look at the slides and stuff, I get a little bit teary when I think about it. And I think about like the 12 people that were full-time dietitians in 2007 and, you know, we're not even 20 years in, you know, and here we have all of these jobs. I mean, it's just, it's astounding. So, um, you know, the, the PAC-12 at the time was, I was part-time at UCLA and James Harris was full-time at Oregon. Um, and now there are, I don't know, I think all of the PAC-12 schools have at least two dietitians. I think Arizona might only have one, but they're, you know, they also have a program that they're running. So it's, um, it's been incredible. It's really cool to watch. Um, so then and the second part of the question, like, what do I think now? <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of loaded with the pandemic going on, but you can answer. Yes, I mean, it is a labor of love. I mean, the sometimes I feel so overwhelmed with how we can't help everybody. You know, like I just want to be able to reach out and help every sports dietitian that's there. Like the whole reason we started this was to be a support group for each other. And sometimes you hear like struggles that people are going through or, um, you know, problems that our students have. Like I just spent, you know, two weeks with on calls and trying to listen to the SNPs to hear all of their, you know, their concerns and, and worries. And, you know, you wish you just had a crystal ball to be able to look into the future and say, everything's going to be okay. And we're all going to be fine, but this is a really tough time. And I just like, I, I think the best we can do is be empathetic and to try to continue to do our best to move the, you know, move forward just, a, you know, a little bit at a time to try to create, um, I don't know, comfort and peace for everybody during this time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's definitely not an, not an easy time for sure, but kind of just to go back, it is crazy that it does feel like CPST has been around for like longer than 10 year or right like it is weird yeah. like how much it like how crazier it really ex has exploded um yes. yeah it's amazing it's amazing all right so looking back at your time at UCLA what were the biggest life lessons as the first director of sports nutrition um Gosh, let's talk about that. So in 2007, when I started there, um, I was actually, UCLA had a sports dietitian that they worked with. Um, she was amazing. Um, and unfortunately, she um, passed away right as I was getting the job from cancers, which is why they were looking for me to come in and help. Um, her name was Felice Kurtzman, and she was so much of a pioneer. I mean, she had, she was very ahead of her time. Um, I was fortunate enough to inherit her office and her family was just like, well, whatever's there, whatever resources, why don't you take it so that you can learn from it, you know? So getting to read through some of her notes and her, uh, the research that she had done and things that she had learned, I learned so much from her. So I'm, you know, grateful for that situation, even though it was a very sad one. Um, 
But uh, what I learned is that you need to find your allies and you need to, to listen to them because everybody wants you to be successful. They just might have a different definition of success for you than what you have at your job. So um, there's a reason why you were hired and it's important to know what that reason was. So for five years at UCLA, I took the program from being, they hired me to be, um, I think they originally wanted me to work like 15 hours a week and they were you know, just gonna give me a salary for that 15 hours a week. Um, but I think by about the third or fourth month, they had bumped that to 30 hours a week because they were like, that's not going to be enough. Um, when I was actually working probably 50 hours a week for the 30 hours pay. Um, but it was, um, it was really cool to watch that program grow. After about the third or fourth year, I realized that I kind of maxed out what they had wanted me to do. And so I was pushing further and trying to do more things. And I felt like I was really hitting my head against a wall because our administration didn't see it that way. That's not what they hired me for. They didn't hire me to create a sports nutrition program. They hired me to be a dietitian in an office that helped the athletes with their nutrition. So um, while I kept trying to push the envelope, that's not what the ultimate goal was. And it wasn't until I read, well, it, the strength coach at that is still the head Olympic strength coach there, Mike Lynn, gave me um, the Energy Bus, the book. And he goes, Becky, you need to read this. You're getting so frustrated and you're just not seeing the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I read the book and I went in and I like put it on his desk and I was like, did you give this to me to make me leave? <laughs> He's like, well, I don't want you to leave. He's like, but I see that you have a bigger vision than what our administration has for you. And until we have an administrator that sees it like that, you're going to be frustrated here. He was like, my best advice to you is just put your head down and do the job that you've been given and do it really, really well, because then the next opportunity will come. And I was like, okay. So I started doing that. And then, like I said, Lane Kiffin called my office. I mean, it was just what chapter on in the book when he called (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was already finished with it. Oh. I'd already, I already had that come to Jesus moment of it's time to just like, I'm on the wrong bus. If my energy is going one way and my, and my administration's energy is going another, we're not on the same page and their pay grade is higher than mine. It's their, it's their ship to run. So I'm the energy vampire in this whole thing, making the bus move slower because I'm not, I'm pushing in a different direction. Um, so it was time for me to move and it's time for me to move on. So I did. I love that. What were the moments and memories that highlighted the growth of the program at USC over the years? Um, gosh, USC was like going to work at Disneyland. I mean, it was at the, (laughs) when I got there, um, you know, it was, it was like such a blank canvas and there was no fueling station. There was no dining hall. There were no training table meals. There was, um, you know, there was Christy Morrell was there and she is an unbelievable dietitian in health and wellness. Um, she was hired, we were hired to do kind of the same thing. You know, she, when I was at UCLA and she was at USC, we sat in an office and we would see athletes that came in. But then USC wanted to take the program to be bigger, kind of what Allison Maurer had at Tennessee. So so that's why I came in to start to run that. And it was amazing to watch 
everything come together by, you know, the fueling station was built by about my second week there. Um, we had a brand new weight room. We got to open a new, um, a new football facility, like all at the same time. And so I was really coming in at this really cool time where everything was like rolling. We were ranked number one in the country. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so amazing. Like you, could, you just can't write that, you know, it's like if, if you were um, writing a movie that that's the scene you would put, put me in, um, you know, and so that first year obviously was incredible. We actually lost to Stanford pretty early on in the year. So we were, we dropped in the rankings and weren't going to be in the national championship picture. Um, but we still had a really good season, you know, came out well. Um, and basketball season went really well. Um, you know, it was just a really fun year to get to know all the athletes. It was really shocking to learn how much I had to repeat. Um, you know, like I had been running the program at UCLA for five years and things were kind of like automatic. And then to get to USC and realize that that infrastructure wasn't there and that I had to recreate it. I had even forgotten that I had done that in the first place. <laughs> so um, having to having to recreate some of that was challenging, but it was so, uh, it was just really impressive. And to go from um, working somewhere where, you know, Christy had been there part-time for a long time and now, and leave it with um, four full-time dietitians and, you know, interns and um, two fueling stations, a dining hall, all the athletes eat, deregulation happened. Um, we, had, we had a lot of negative stuff too, but, um, you know, a ton of national championships and, you know, really great athletes to get to watch turn into incredible pros. It's, it's pretty cool. And I'm really glad that I got to participate in that. I think when you work in college and you get to watch people go from being children at 18 when they get to school and then leave at 22 and be grownups, um, you just play an incredible role in their lives. And so to get to, to watch that over and over again and to watch those students come through was, was, just really special. That's amazing. And something that you were just saying from like reading the energy bus and then having that fuel station built in like the second week at USC, like, was that almost like your energy of like, you almost weren't even trying, but it just happened because it was like all the effort you were putting in UCLA just like naturally was like meant to be at USC, if that makes any sense. Yes. And because it does exactly. Because I had all of that prepared. It was all done in my head. And so when I got to USC and I had all of those resources, everything just happened like that because the, the thought had already been put into it, mm. you know, like, so no matter where you are in your career, you can always be looking at what's this next step and how are we going to get to this next place so that when you have that, the plan written out, whether it's in your head or on your computer, when you have those fully formed thoughts then you can communicate those really easily when the opportunity comes. And I just think that's, I think it's important to, to always keep thinking what's next. That's awesome. All right. What are the rewards and challenges of working as an MLB and MBA dietitian? Can you talk about your roles with both the Angels and the Lakers? <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll back up a little bit and say like pro sports and college sports are very different. Um, but ultimately the goals are the same, you know, so, um, you know, you might go about it a little bit differently, but you've got, um, you've got the same ultimate outcomes. 
So when I decided to go, I, I've worked for the angels for about eight years, but I was a consultant role with them um, while I, the whole time I was at USC. And so um, I've been around that organization for a long time. So jumping to full time this year, I knew exactly what I was getting into and was excited to take it to the next level. Um, the greatest part about um, baseball is that when you work with minor leaguers, you still have that same developmental role in people's lives, you know, so I didn't want to leave college because I love that mentorship of watching kids grow up where um, two years ago, I got to go to the Dominican Republic and meet with our like 15 and 16 year olds. And those are my kids ages, you know, and so to, to go and to watch and to get to meet with them and teach them in their country and in their space was just such an eye-opening experience for me that I was like, yeah, I want to do this. Like, this is really, this is what I'm meant to do. So um, I really loved that. I love working in the minor leagues and getting to see them jump from, um, from affiliate to affiliate and watch them get promoted is really fun. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty special. Um, I think my job is unique in that the, most organizations have more than one dietitian and the angels, it's just me that's there. Um, but I have incredible support from my strength staff. So um, every strength coach that's at each affiliate has like a nutrition role. So then I get to also mentor them and help them to, um, to learn and do the stuff that doesn't require an RD, you know, so putting pills out is not my job or you know, right. like making smoothies is not always my job because um, I'm not always there, but it's fun to go in and, and relieve that. With the angels, more so than anywhere I've ever worked, we're very much a cohesive team with, a, with regard to sports performance and coaching. Mm -hmm. So um, tons of meetings and tons of spreadsheets and Google Docs and data shared you know how baseball has all the analytics and stuff like that um i like numbers and i think that you know maybe comes from my clinical days but i love having numbers and goals and objective things to work towards and i think the athletes really like that too because they can see their progress as they're moving forward and so it's just uh same as college in that you have to create a relationship and establish a why why are you going to do this and why are you going to make these changes and then it just gets into creating the habits of, um, you know, becoming a baseball player. And what does your process look like on a daily basis? And how do you prepare for this game? Um, again, you know, who knew that my time in the minor leagues was going to be so valuable to me? But I lived that life. And so I understand what they're going through. Oh, cool, yeah. And, and yeah, it makes, a, it creates a really instant bond between us when we can discuss, you know, what's on the Applebee's late night menu. Cause that's the only thing opened in Burlington, Iowa at that time, you know? So, um, so it's, it's been, um, it's been an incredible journey to be able to, to watch these kids go from, you know, 15 and 16 years old to big leaguers. This was the first season that I've had kids that started that I knew that got drafted and I watched them go through the whole system. Wow. Um, and come to the big leagues. So um, we've had some where we draft them and they get up to the big leagues really fast. Um, but that's not quite as satisfying as watching, watching them go from, you know, yeah. level that's to level. So cool. Yeah. I don't know how much people would have really thought about how long that could take, but how rewarding as a dietitian to be a part of that process and see them, you know, make it to the big leagues. That's really cool. Yeah. When you get drafted as a baseball player and you get on a team, um, you have a 2% chance of making it. 
Um, so, you know, people talk about like getting drafted and how that's really cool, but 2% is, is low. So to watch them do it is pretty incredible. Better focus on your nutrition if you want to be. <laughs> I know. It gives me a good edge. It gives oh. me a really Did you know there's yeah. a 2% chance of you making it? <laughs> yeah. I can get that to three if you want. Yeah. Um, but then, um, so with the Lakers, my role is very different. So I'm a consultant and we have an incredible chef. Um, I, I didn't really talk about my role with the big league team. Um, so I'm with them the most. I'm with the big league team, the angels the most. Um, and we, so I order all the food. We have a third party food service that comes in and takes care of everything, but I order all of it. I'm a lot more hands-on with those guys, um, especially this year since I was the only server allowed in the clubhouse. So I was like the server, the sous chef, the dietitian, the cleanup crew, um, all the all the fun stuff. I read your second in the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> like, <"What's> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so it was, you know, thank God for all my practice making smoothies and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I needed all of that talent. Um, they're like, how can you make so many PB and J's all at one time? And I was like, mm, this is not my first rodeo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I worked in college, um, but it was it you know it was definitely a different year. But my role with the big league team is the food service, the sports nutrition, the recovery nutrition, injury nutrition. Um, you know, it's very all encompassing. Um, with the Lakers, we have a chef that takes care of all the food. So I really do zero food service with them. She's amazing. And she's, when I love going to work there because that's the best I eat all week is I'll go in there and she'll make, you know, she, it's only 17 guys on our whole roster. So, you know, it's pretty easy to individualize and do everything. Um, so I just give her the macronutrient needs of each guy and then she takes care of it and they eat it because the food is so good. So it's actually a very simple job. The other part then obviously is, you know, the recovery aspect. So my job, my role at the Lakers is much more science than anything else. Like I, um, I was virtual with them the whole time they were in the bubble. I was, um, you know, ever since March, actually, I've been virtual. I didn't see them from um, <laughs> Anthony Davis's birthday was like March 12th or something like that. And then uh, we all had to quarantine um, that night because they had played somebody who had played the jazz and then that, you know, it was, it was a big thing before everything shut down. So it was, uh, that was shocking, but I haven't seen them in person since then. So this whole winning has been the most anticlimactic thing I've ever participated in. Like we, like my team won, I was on the phone with them later that night, but I was literally just like sitting on the couch, like, Yay! <laughs> what was it like working remotely while they were in the bubble? I mean, that's like sounds like you could write a book about that. <laughs> it was yeah, it was um like I don't know, it wasn't that different from working in college. You know, when you have a lot of teams traveling and yeah. you have to like check in with them and they're on the road, but you're not you're not there because you're with a different team or whatever. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't too different than things that I had done in the past, but after the so the game would end, um, the strength coach would usually call or my boss um, would call um, either the next day or the next morning and just kind of if there was something that needed to be changed, then we would change it. 
we would look, I'd look at the minutes that everybody played and we'd adjust the macronutrients for their recovery day. Um, it was really fun actually when the Lakers would win and we would have time to wait for the next series to start um, because then we could do a little more fun stuff with the food, you know, send in some wings and send in some, you know, like the, we had a, you know, take a lobster feast and stuff like that. It was, so that was pretty fun. But um, the, the, it, my job actually was very like X's and O's with the Lakers. Not a lot of, um, you know, high fives and getting in there. <laughs> All right. What is the most unexpected yet rewarding part of your career up until this point? Um, the relationships with my colleagues. So I listen to all of your podcasts, all of these, because I love them and I love listening to everybody's thoughts and how they got where they are. Um, and it makes me so proud to hear them talk about themselves. Like, you know, hearing Beth Wolfgram and hearing Beth Miller, I can't remember what her last name is now. Sorry, Beth. Um, like getting to hear them talk through like their experiences and everything. It's just so incredible. And to have a group like Amy Bragg, Amy Friel and Allison Maurer that like I can call and cry about my kids or some experience that we've had, you know, that, you know, people just don't understand my life the way that my colleagues understand my life. And so to, um, that's just really special. I think um, Sean Zell and Joel Totoro and I have had a group text since like, I don't know, 2008, where, you know, it's like a constant like, hey guys, checking in, how are you doing, you know, and they'll, you know, respond back. I mean, when, you know, in, in the, during the times where like I was going through a divorce, I rolled off the board because I knew that I was going to have kind of a hectic life. And I've never felt so much support from a group. I mean, it was like that whole year. I had just random people text me throughout the week, like, hey, just thinking about you playing USC or saw this game or whatever, you know, like, how are you doing? And I just think that's such a special thing. So I'm really grateful to the CPSDA for that. And I'm also just really grateful to our whole profession. I think it's CPSDA member or not. When you say you're a sports RD, people are like, oh, I know this person or, you know, small world. <gasps> I love that. It's amazing. All right, I can't believe it, but this is the last episode of 2020. What advice do you have for students or current RDs as we finish out 2020 and head into 2021? No pressure. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, my advice is it's not about you, so don't take it personally. And I think that several people said that, and like I think, it might have been Rob's good advice, you know, though, you know, you're a, oh, you're a four-year phenomenon. Um, you know, you, we all look at fueling and nutrition and we're so passionate about it. And that is our whole world, you know, and when you, when you're a front office administrator or head coach, you have to look at the whole big picture. You can't just look at the fueling, you know? And so there are so many times in my life where I felt offended that I couldn't communicate the importance of fueling the way that I wanted to, that I thought the, that I did, you know, I thought I communicated, say it again. I thought I communicated how important fueling was and they just didn't get it. And then I was offended that they wouldn't 
see the importance, you know, or like how valuable I was. And it's not about me. It's about supporting the athletes. And sometimes fueling isn't the most important thing. You know, if somebody's mom passes away, like whether or not they eat their broccoli is neither here nor there. Like we need to make sure that we're looking at the bigger picture and the head coach knows all of that stuff and the administrator knows that. And so the, you know, if I could go back, I would say, make sure that when you're interviewing for a job, you're interviewing the person you're going to work for so that you can have full trust, 100% trust that they're going to put everybody's needs first, you know, so that it might not be nutrition is not the most important thing because they know that something else is more important at that time. Um, Amazing. But it's, you know, when you're interviewing, you need to make sure that you can trust your boss because they're the ones who are going to elevate you. If you work for somebody who is not confident and selfish and wants to put themselves forward, then you're always going to be pushed down. If you work for somebody who wants to mentor and wants to elevate you and wants to create a, you know, a tree of great professionals behind them, then you're going to have somebody who is, you know, who's always challenging you and getting you outside your comfort zone so that you can get that next opportunity. I love that. All right. You ready for the rapid fire round? Yes. New hobby that you've picked up during quarantine. Construction. I mean, it's not really a new hobby, but like I've redone almost every room in my house. Okay. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Be kind. Like stop being so selfish. <laughs> All right. And maybe eat your broccoli. <laughs> and then you have like 20 more seconds if you want to say anything else. I know. I guess I should say something more. I just... I would be brief and I would say, just be nice to each other. I love it. Okay, funniest thing that ever happened to you in an interview? Um, uh, it wasn't my interview, but it was after I got the job and then I was getting walked around the facility. The administrator that was walking me around had his fly down, like his zipper was down. And I was like, do I tell him? Like, we're literally walking into like every office in the building so he could introduce me to people. And so I was like, um, your, um, your zipper is down, you know? And he was just like, oh my God. But then I thought like, we would have gone around the whole facility. You're a good person. I don't know if I was very awkward. <laughs> If food is bad at a restaurant, do you say something? Um, I guess I would. If it were somebody else's food, I would for sure. Um, I, this is actually probably too much information. I, I order the same thing at every restaurant that I go to because if I love something, then I always get it. So like I pick the restaurant I'm going based off what I know I'm gonna order. I'm very boring. Like I wasn't that. sure if it was a California thing. I picture people not saying something because they're just so chill or I could see someone being like, no, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah, I, if, it were, um, if it were somebody that I was with that ordered something and then got it wrong, then I would for sure say something. I'd be like, oh, is this supposed to not have cheese on it? You know, like that kind of a thing. But um, I, I don't know. I'm not that much of a foodie. I'm 
I think that's actually what I'm worst at in my job is that like, I don't really care whether things taste great or not. And like, that's how much protein is in that? Or like, does that have the antioxidant I'm required to have? That's funny. All right, last question, are you ready? If, yes. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? Okay, if I could tell my younger RD self one thing, what would I tell myself? Uh, pay more attention in the food service part. <laughs> because I didn't, I did not pay attention. And uh, my professor at Pepperdine is laughing at me on a daily basis. I know it. I know she just sits in heaven and thinks, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we're ending it <laughs> is it supposed to be something more emotional um i will give you i will say what my mom always told me here's a better way to end it but i love i do stand by my advice. we're gonna keep that um, here's a better way to end it my mom always told me um you know, Becky, sometimes you feel like the whole world is against you and though, you know, like everybody's out to get you. She's like, on those days, I need you to reflect on yourself and think maybe it's not the whole world. Maybe it's me. I love <laughs> so, that. So I, love that. I have to do that on a frequent basis where like everything seems to be going the wrong way. And I'm like, hmm. Maybe it's not the whole world that has this like vendetta against me. Maybe it's just my attitude sucks right now and I'm going to need to change that. <laughs> I love that. No, I think it's so important. Like perspective is everything and where are you spending your energy and yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Well, Becky, thanks so much for being on today. It is a pleasure, Liz. I need to tell you that this whole um, this whole fall has been better because of your snippets and, um, I love listening to these podcasts. I think you're doing an amazing job and, um, I think it's going to make our profession better. Thank you so much, Becky. I, I really appreciate it. Go waves. <laughs>Thanks so much for listening to the very last episode of Sports Artie Snippets in 2020. If you've made it this far and have listened to all 17 episodes, thank you so much for listening every single Wednesday. It's much appreciated. I'll be back in January of 2021, so make sure you share the podcast or tell another Sports RD or Sports RD to be all about it so they can catch up over the winter break. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at SportsRD Snippets to see what SportsRD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited for 2021, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.